Thank you so much for tuning in to Tim Fall Hat. Uh, we really appreciate it. Here's a word from our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I take Athletic Greens every day because I want better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system, okay? I hate taking a bunch of pills and vitamins. I want a supplement that actually tastes great and want to see what the hype was all about. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. And it's real simple, okay? It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb, okay? It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your, in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Green is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash timfoil. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash timfoil to take ownership over your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Enjoy the show. Tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed and a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to. Do. I'm here to. Join me as always, Xavier Guerrero, and my good friend. Oh, you're my good friend too, but another good friend. <laughs> Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. How are you guys? Oh, this is a great episode. Good, brother. Loved it today. Good episode. Good episode. The Riz. Riz. Riz Burke. <laughs> brings it. Riz brings it. It was a great discussion on simulation. We answer all the questions. I really enjoyed it. I want to give a quick shout out to Kansas City. You came out in force. Love you guys. Love Kansas City. Even though I'm a Raiders fan, Kansas City is pretty amazing. Your people are cool. Your ladies are hot. And it's a great time. Well, was that a? That must have been a great show because I got messages like, "Dude, Sam killed it." People were, dude, it was great. Tweeting me, like, dude, Kansas City is one of those cities where nobody talks about moving to. Where it's like, it's actually a pretty cool city to move into. I couldn't be around that many Chiefs fans; I'd lose my fucking skull. <laughs> but the people are really cool. They live for football over there. Yeah, that's their game there. Yeah, and it's the also not close to anything. Like, but it's, but dude, it's called a plane. Get on a plane. It mm -hmm. really is a great city. 
a great place to raise kids, too. So that's good. If you'd like to see me live and know the party keeps going, everybody, yeah, dude, this week, this we're at low ticket alert, so grab your tickets quickly. Uh, Comedy Chaos is live. If everything goes according to plan, we're going to sell out our 70th show. It's at 8 p.m. Grab your tickets. Nothing but bangers in that episode. And then Huntington Beach. I got a whole week of great mm-hmm. shows. Huntington Beach, November 17th. Two shows. Uh, we got 7 p.m. stand-up. And then we got Swarm Tank at 10 p.m. And then I'm doing something really fun. Saturday night, November 19th, I'm at Inventura at HQ Venue, okay? I'm doing stand-up early, and I've been fire, bro. Fire. And then I'm doing what I call the revival, and I just go up for an hour and just spit at just spit truth at you, and it's going to be a Q&A, answer, fun. I'm not really going for comedy. Well, I'm sure we'll have some laughs, but it's really just a great, like, Sam talk, okay? Trip talk, I call it. A little trip talk. Come join the revival. That's at, uh, grab tickets at samtribute.com, and then December 2nd, we're at Colosa, California, uh, that's December 2nd. And then Fresno, we got two shows at the Full Circle Brewery. Tin Full Hat Comedy Night, followed by Swarm Tank, Eddie Bravo, that weirdo over there as well. So, guys, enjoy this episode. It's a great episode. We love you very much. Uh, let's get into a little simulation talk. We go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. All right, very excited about this uh, topic today. It's one of my favorite topics to talk. We've been uh, having some great guests on, and this next gentleman is going to uh, be right in there with all of our guests, so I'm very excited about him. Uh, He is an author, entrepreneur, and he just became a professor. Please welcome Rizvan Verk. How are you, brother? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Very excited to have you on. Uh, simulation is one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, multiverse, all that stuff. It's it's my jam. But before we get into that, why could you please tell our, our listeners a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I started off as an entrepreneur and uh, doing enterprise software uh, and uh, got in the video game industry, had the number one game in the app store a long time ago, then became a, uh, uh, an investor uh, and venture capitalist in Silicon Valley. Uh, and now I'm, I'm back in academia, uh, started an accelerator at MIT a few years ago. They can find me on my website at zenentrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Riz Stanford, just like the university. Did you say you invented something at the university? A collide? No, you didn't say collider, did you? Or something? No, no. <laughs> no, that wasn't me. What you you had? What did you say? An incubator or something? An there, incubator? Right? At, at, at Stanford. I, I what did had you an say? Incubator at, uh, so, yeah, it's like at for MIT. startups. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was good, like you're growing some weird stuff. No, I was no, like, what, what is that? Oh, I like what how me and Sam were on the same page. Yeah, you, you growing cryptids over there, bro? We got yeah. Bigfoots and Dogman. I feel what? like I'm the translator. I, I, I knew what you meant, and I knew what he meant. So. Do you take smart, smart and make it dumb so we can understand what you're saying? Uh, very excited to uh, discuss this with you. This is the whole, you know, this the show started out as a conspiracy show, and then over time... Uh, we, we, you know, we've kind of moved into the spiritual and we like to talk a little bit about both. And, you know, because 
when, when you study like what is history and you start going, okay, man, there's this kind of thing, let's say um, um, a pyramid or some kind of ruin somewhere that doesn't fit the timeline. And you're like, well, well if that doesn't fit our timelines, then that means our timeline might not be correct that we've been taught. And so then you start doing these deeper dives and you go into, if they're lying to us about that, what are they lying to us about? And that, that gets into who we are, where we're from. And that is probably the most basic of the questions. The deepest question you go to is like, who are we? Where are we from? What, what is our story? And, uh, Simulation is a big part of that. So uh, just so you know, we have a podcast called Broken Simulation uh, because it seems like everything's going crazy in the world. <laughs> but where does your journey start, Riz? Where do you want to start with this? Because I'm very excited about this topic. Yeah, well, you know, I like this topic because it really does bridge the gap between science and technology on the one side and religion and spirituality on the other side. And, you know... 500 years ago, when Galileo was observing, you know, the moons of Jupiter and looking through the telescope, you know, religion was the dominant paradigm, and they tried to suppress some of the scientific knowledge, uh, and they had to have, you know, this invisible college of people who were into science, and, you know, fast forward 500 years later, and now we have the scientific, technological, materialist paradigm is the major paradigm. And anyone who kind of goes against that, whether it's from a spiritual or religious or questions what's really beyond the physical reality, you know, that's sort of subservient, at least from their point of view. And so, you know, you have sort of a, a new invisible college, and that's a term, you know, that Jacques Vallée used in the UFO world going back to the 70s. I think it was even the title of his book. But what I like about simulation theory is that it, you can talk about it with scientists uh, and materialists, you can talk about it in Silicon Valley with entrepreneurs. You can talk about it with Buddhist monks. Uh, and, and so, you know, my journey started as a video game uh, entrepreneur. And then after I sold my last company, I was visiting a startup in uh, San Francisco Bay Area in, the Mar in Marin County. And it was looking out, you know, over the bay at, at the San Francisco skyline. But we weren't admiring that. What we did was we put on a virtual reality headset and we started to play this uh, VR ping pong game. And what happened was that the game was so realistic and not so much the graphics, but the responsiveness. It was so realistic that it basically made me forget that I was inside virtual yes. reality and that I had this helmet on, right? And so much so that at the end, I decided to put the paddle down on the table and I tried to lean on the table. <laughs> but of course, you know, there was no table. The controller fell to the floor. I almost fell over. And so I said to myself, okay, it looks like we're getting to the point where we can fool our brains into thinking something is real when it isn't. How long will it take us to get to what I call the simulation point, which is the point at which we can create a simulation like the matrix. And so that's par partly where my journey started, I would say, you know, in this topic. I, uh, I love it. Johnny, do we got some poppings going on here? Is that going to be okay? Uh, it's a little, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a little bit of uh static on his end but i i don't i don't know what, much what we can do about that okay it's fine um well yeah well, unfortunately i'm not uh i'm, I'm uh, uh sort of out and about in a hotel it's Otherwise, all I good it's all good i USB just want headset. i just yeah. want to see if there's anything we do on our end it's <laughs> all good we're just gonna go through it so uh yeah man this is like kind of the deepest of deep questions and it gets into you know we've seen videos of you know 
Neil deGrasse Tyson, and some people have opinions on him that are both pay- favorable and some that are not. But he's, you know, he's got this panel and he's talking to, I forget the name of this one scientist, but the scientist said he had, you know, broken down everything to the smallest unit that he saw the universe in binary numbers and that it was basically binary code. It was like ones and zeros, uh, which fits into the simulation uh, theory. Uh, which is interesting. So you decided to write this book. What what made you want to write the book? Well, you know, as I as I said, I, I began to wonder how our technology would evolve over time. And so as I speculated on that, I came up with these 10 stages of technology development that any technological civilization will go through. And uh, we're at about stages four or five out of 10. And, you know, having more realistic VR having uh, augmented reality without having glasses on, uh, having brain-computer interfaces. So these are all the stages that we still have to go. And so that's how I got into it. But at the same time, you know, I've had a lot of experiences myself uh, with meditation, with lucid dreaming, and sort of other aspects of consciousness that didn't fit into the material realm. And so, you know, I wanted to write a book that would really bring these ideas together uh, along with, uh, you know, as I looked into the, the quantum physics side of it, I realized that, you know, pretty much the physicists have been telling us the same thing, that there is no material world, right? The more they look at it, the more they can't find it. Just like you mentioned earlier about the ones and zeros, there was a famous physicist named uh, uh, John Wheeler who, you know, basically came up with this phrase called it from bit. And, and what he said was when he looked down at, any object, whether it's, you know, this cup or this table, and he, they kept looking for these material things, and it's like you open up those Russian nested dolls, and at the end, there's nothing there. And he said, the only thing I could find was information, right, was uh, answers to a series of yes-no questions. Uh, and so even, you know, the physicists agreed that there is no such thing as material reality. It's just based on information. So what made me want to write the book was really to, to, to kind of present uh, an overview of, of this idea. Uh, now, there has been, you know, you, you mentioned Neil deGrasse Tyson. There's also a video from Elon Musk, you know, back in 2016, where he was saying that the chances that we are in base reality, which means the chances that we are not in a simulation, is one in billions, right? Which means we're almost certainly in a simulation. And so I started to look into that as well. And, you know, his, uh, his calculation is based off something called the simulation argument that Nick Bostrom professor at Oxford put together a few years back, uh, I think it was 2003, in his paper, Are You Living in a Computer Simulation? And we can get into that later if you like. But, you know, there were all these different ideas about what that would mean. And, you know, it turns out the philosophers and the the, the religions, not just the, the Eastern religions, obviously, with reincarnation, they've been telling us, you come here, you play a role, you go back, you come back again, you play a different role. But even in the Judeo-Christian traditions, right, they were telling us that this is not the real world. There's the here and the hereafter. And so I just became intrigued with all this stuff and realized that you know they're all trying to tell us the same thing. It, it's all about the big questions that you brought up earlier, which is, you know, where are we from? Why are we here? And simulation theory provides a good framework for thinking about those big questions. Uh, and you can take it more literally or you can take it more as a metaphor. So depending on, you know, where you want to go with it. Well, I, I do want to get into that question with you, but... 
uh, I, I want to discuss something you basically said that there's nothing material. And, you know, like, again, on this journey that I've been on this show, which led to my spiritual show, which is uh, Zero with Sam Tripoli. And, uh, you know, I, I started studying the hermetic principles, which are, you know, basically some of the, of the laws of the universe. And one of them is like everything's basically in motion, which is, you know, everything vibrates. Higher, high frequency, low frequency, and all that stuff, and that there is no material. There's just vibrations. Uh, do you have any thoughts on have that? You have you played VR? I, I've done a little bit. A little bit of it? Because I played the ones that, like, uh, the really, like, not, like, the better ones, the one at the mall, like, um... A, ga a GameStop or Dave and Buster's, yeah, the ones where you play and you can move around oh, and stuff. I guess yeah. those are a little intense. Where you like, it's like five bucks to play it, and you should try those out. They're very different, but like he said, you forget that the table's there. Like yeah. he said, material things aren't really there unless you can only see it. And I remember walking, and you're walking on this line. You're supposed to be following like this bridge, and you really feel like you're gonna fall. Yeah, I've where's heard that, that thing where you're like walking? You're like, I could yeah. kill myself, but obviously you. But he says, right. like, how long till I honestly think I'm going to die? Yeah. yeah. There are well, a few. Yeah. Um, well, and, and the thing is, you got to think, imagine that you stay immersed in that for what? Not instead of hours. Yeah. Let's they've say said days that. and days yeah, and yeah. Day. What, what happens then? Yeah, you you know can't I mean? tell the, the difference. Yeah. Between I mean, even at there. what we have now, you know, at the level of what we have now with you know, like the new uh, Oculus headset, the. The one that kills you if you really die. That <laughs> no, the, that was Palmer Lucky's uh, <laughs> modification. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's engaging a lot more mixed reality and augmented reality, where it brings your environment into VR. You know, so your desk is there, but you have a series of you know, let's say hundred inch displays around you, whatever you want. That's where it starts to get really interesting, because then it's seductive, right? It's like, why why would I be on my shitty desk in my yeah. small apartment when I can have my huge desk? In, in VR. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. You wanted, to, you wanted to add something to that, Riz? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, you know, it, it gets to the point where uh, companies have, have looked at using VR to help you with a fear of heights or a fear of spiders, for example, right, where, uh, you know, you can be exposed to it without much risk, but yet you get the same the same physiological responses. So, you know, just getting back to you know, what was said earlier about you really feel like you're going to fall, you really feel like you're up high. And, and so that level is getting realistic, but it all starts to sound like science fiction, right? And, and, and part of my, my research these days is on, you know, how does science fiction come into reality? And uh, we're seeing that with what's called the metaverse today, right? Zuckerberg and others have been talking about it, and it came out of uh, sci-fi like Snow Crash, and, you know, these ideas about simulation obviously came from the Matrix as one of the, the major uh, representations of it, although there's, there's a lot better ones, I think, uh, that, that, that are interesting out there, whether you look at augmented reality, like with Minority Report, or there was a movie called The 13th Floor, uh, which, which I think gets into some of the bigger issues around simulations, which I like to call the RPG versus NPC version of the simulation hypothesis. Okay, I love that. I love that a lot. I want to ask you something. Then we'll get into that. I want to ask you. Yeah. So, you know, uh, this show, again, we, we talk about different stuff. We've had people come on here talk about Vedic astrology, the, the four worlds, uh, fallen angels, all that stuff. And, you know, again, we get in hermetic principles and all this stuff. When, you, when we talk assimilation, like, are we, are we talking about what you believe is just a really insanely intelligent computer program or is it something else that you believe 
Well, there's, you know, a range of, of, of these things and they all kind of fit into this larger area that that's evolving called simulation theory. And so some people, like I mentioned, this professor from Oxford, Bostrom, and, and also what Elon Musk was saying, in their version, everyone is basically an AI. So it's a computer, you're, basically we're all computer programs and we're all inside this computer program in the same way that you know we might run a simulation to figure out, okay, what's gonna happen with the weather or what's going to happen with uh, population growth. Uh, and so everybody is just code running inside the computer. Then yes. there's the other example, the other end. So I call that first one the NPC version because it reminds us of non-player characters mm -hmm. uh, in video games, right? right? you got all the characters in the video game that are not us. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, my theory is that the game Super Mario is about life. You know, Super Mario, Donkey Kong's the first time we see Super Mario, and he's just working this job hoping that his girlfriend won't leave him for a bigger dude, right? <laughs> so he just works really hard and does that. And he does a great job. They graduate, so now he's kind of like regional manager, and he's running all over the place, and suddenly he eats a mushroom, and they realize all is possible, and now he's in Mario Kart and everything. <laughs> he can do anything he wants, wherever he wants. He's got all the powers in the world, and I, th I, I do believe that's somewhat, of this reality we live in that there there you know there's certain rules that keep us here we can't just fly right like there's just rules of this game like super mario can't turn into a dragon and just you know shoot fire at donkey kong he has to play within the game and i think that's this like we have superpower like these these meat suits we wear which are vibrational are there to limit us so we're not all Avengers and just solving all of our problems with our superpowers that we have to deal with these, the, this realm of consequences, I believe, that has been created. So that, like, like Riz says, that you know, we play out the scenario. Each one of us is a scenario being played out to figure out how, it, how this would play out. You guys, am I somewhat onto that, Riz? Is that what kind of yeah yeah absolutely I mean I would say that uh, you know the physics engine of the game right that when we build video games we use a physics engine and we define what's possible right like in certain games you can fly or you can teleport to different locations and our physics engine in general doesn't allow that unless you know we're able to level up and you hear stories of the yogis who are able to go uh, and manifest in different places uh, but there was a there was a saying by Nolan Bushnell, who is the founder of Atari, yeah. you know, which which made you know the home console, which is how I got started in video games, you know, way back in the day. But you know, they also made the first widely available video game, which was Pong, uh, and and he had a saying, which was, you have to make the game easy to play, but hard to master, right? Because if it was too easy to play, then people would get bored, uh, and if it was too easy to master, people would get bored. But you want to make it so that you keep coming back and playing. And, and, and life is like that as well, right? It's kind of easy to play. There's not anything you have to do per se to be in this game. You're, you're here now, you're playing the game, but it can be hard uh, to level up like you talked about in, in, in the Mario case as well. So yeah, I think, I think that's you know, kind of along the lines of what I was saying. Uh, but then there's this other version of the simulation hypothesis, which is the RPG version. So the role-playing game version. And in that, you know, we are, an avatar 
of our real selves. So just like, you know, when I'm playing World of Warcraft, my avatar is not me, but I've chosen it. I give it, you know, the, the various qualities you choose, just like we used to do with D&D back in the day. You know, you'd have your uh, your character sheet and you'd list out the different qualities. And is it a barbarian, a wizard, etc.? In the RPG version, each of us is playing this character for a period of time. And that's closer to the virtual reality headset side of things. Uh, and, and those two extremes aren't mutually exclusive. But that gets to the more spiritual side, that there is a part of you that is outside this game, that's watching the game being played, and that gets immersed mm-hmm. in the game for a period of time, but maybe is able to pull back, and maybe even chose what characteristics you have. You know, maybe somebody's you know going to be in comedy, or be a podcaster, somebody else is going to be a computer programmer. You know, we have all, all these things that we are... Uh, uh, you know, we're attracted to or that we do in our lives. And I like to think of those as storylines of our simulation. Like if we like if we think about this as a game, this is the way I picture. I picture your soul goes up to an arcade, puts a quarter in, and then it's real random. Like you said, it's real random. You might become a podcaster, comedian. Next time you might be a, a DJ and then you die. And then your soul comes back and be like, you want to play again? And it was so fun that he did, but this time you could be a homeless Dude. person. Like it's literally random as fuck. Like do you think you it's don't that know. random? Or I do honestly you think, think it's like yeah, it's a quarter. It. It's, it's a quarter. But if we go by, no it, one would the, pick a homeless person. There wouldn't be no homeless person well, if that, that was a that's pick. That's where the karma comes in. I think is where. Yeah, I think there is a little bit of like, okay, you're gonna play, but you gotta play with this guy. Did yeah, I think there's up? a little more of uh, where you know if you think of. Karma, if you play video games today, you have quests, right? Yeah. You start off with a character, and there are these different quests and achievements, and you can sometimes choose which ones you want to go after in some games, right? Whereas in other games, you're just given the quest. And so I think we build up a series of quests of things that we want to do, and those are stored in a database that's stored in the cloud. And that database is sometimes called by the ancients karma, right? And this is all the shit we still got to do at some point and we can decide perhaps maybe we have different alternatives right so i I don't think it's totally random but but i think there is an element of randomness that comes in but you can kind of say here are the things you might try to tackle kind of like you might do with a a guidance counselor or an advisor in school to say this semester which classes do you want to take right so i believe there's an element of that and it's based partly on what we enjoy and what's challenging yeah and i think there's a thing about difficulty level Right. Maybe you come back as a homeless person, perhaps, or you come back as a quadriplegic. Your difficulty level is going to be a lot higher than oh, everybody yeah. else. I, 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 there's so much to get into here. It's like I, I remember the couple times I played Grand Theft Auto. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I the, the controller got away from me. It's too much for me. I started out with the one control with the doot doot doot. That, and like after, <laughs> after that, it's like ah, oh, there's too much of this. I feel like you do with your hands though. I've I feel like it's like I'm Edward Scissorhand type of guy, right? <laughs> Trying to work with that stuff, but. Um, but it's funny because I, I you know, I, I, I've been known to be a little crazy person and have, you know, had problems with my vices and all that stuff. And, you know, through the blessings of hard work, I've, I've worked on those. But I've had some really weird moments in my life. And I, I was talking like, OK, if I have, an, I have somebody up there that's running this avatar, why would I be put myself in those moments? <laughs> but then I think about when I play Grand Theft Auto and I would just run over the hooker for no reason. Right? <laughs> and I was just like, hey. You know, and I'm just like, yeah, this is fun. I can't go to jail for it. And I'm like, that would totally be a trickster me putting <laughs> Avatar me in these weird 
weird places and doing this like really crazy stuff because I would be like, yeah, let's see, how, let's see what happens when this happens. I do this and I do that, like silver robot guy story. I could yeah. see myself just yeah. doing something weird like that. So it makes. What sense. if you're like soul? Your thing knows that it's gonna come back. It could do it again. I feel like some people think they could like when you people are like that person's a crazy person and like they don't give a fuck. I think their soul knows that it doesn't matter. Yeah, I can I, play again. I do. I and it is like. You know, it's like you're playing a video game and you die in that video game. You have to come back and you're right back at that video game and you can't go to the next level till you complete that video See, game. See, the, the thing is to me, Sam, that's it's a little concerning about that kind of I don't quite get is if you come back with no awareness of your previous play, aren't you just going to play it the exact same way again? It's interesting. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a good question, man. That is a good question, John. If all, the, if all the variables are Finally. the same, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's you might, it. unless you have a choice, right? Uh, and that's where free will comes in is that you have the choice possibly to make different choices next time when you play the game. So, uh, oh, wait, you know, I when see. you don't complete a quest, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you keep trying and perhaps you, you know, you tried it the wrong way last time. And after 50 times, you're like, okay, I'm going to try it this other way <laughs> this time. You mean and, in the, in the, see, in the yeah. other realm, though, in the higher realm, you try something different before re-entering this realm? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or, or if you are playing the character, you know, you, you make your character go left instead of right, right. instead of always going to the, to the same way. And so, you know, physicists don't believe in true randomness, except for once you get down to quantum level, then they believe in true randomness. It's left or right. But I think if you come up at a higher level, randomness is, it's not things aren't totally random. We aren't totally random. We make choices about you know what what we're going to do next uh and i think part of it is people ask me all the time well why would i put myself in a simulation and and it goes back to what sam was just saying about you know why do you want to play a video game well perhaps it's to have experiences right you want to have certain experiences that you can't have outside that game like i can't ride on a dragon in this physical reality but perhaps i could in a you know dungeons and dragons or fantasy oriented uh video game uh and so you, you go to have those experiences, but then, you know, you might choose different types of experiences each time you play the game. All right, real quick, real quick, we want to give a shout out to one of our favorite sponsors of the show, Copy My Crypto and James McMahon. Uh, real quick, let me tell you about Copy My Crypto. Guys, listen, the recession is underway. Fuel is through the roof and food prices are insane. People are beginning to lose their homes. But there can be a massive positive to this because recessions are where more wealth is made than in any other time in the economic cycle. Take the last recession. Those who invested in property and stocks more than doubled their money inside two years. But no market rose like crypto where people made 10, 50, even 100 times over the same period. That's what James McMahon did. On his Crypto with James YouTube channel, he told his 21,000 subscribers to invest in the same 26 coins that he did. Had you invested $100 into each of those coins, you'd have been in profit for more than $123,000. $1,000! Wow. His top pick of the year, a crypto called Phantom, went up a staggering 692 times. And remember, this is public knowledge. You can go to YouTube and verify it yourself. James will be sharing every coin he buys during this recession on his Copy My Crypto membership site. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest. You simply copy James. So to join the 2,800 members who copy James, go to 
CopyMyCrypto.com slash Sam. That's CopyMyCrypto.com forward slash S-A-M. It's your call. You can thrive in this recession or be another victim. Go to, go visit the site and read every word now. See, you know, you have some, I see uh, Matrix in some of the notes you want to talk about and I find that movie just so interesting and there's a lot to it. Like, you know, when you, when you see he's in the dojo and he's like, whoa, I know Kung Fu, right? And you're like, you just download Kung Fu. Think about how many times you've met people listen to the show and they go, man, you guys changed my life. And that, that always affects me. Oh, you changed my life. What did they do? They just downloaded now. I mean, like reading books now is downloading I mean, knowledge. Didn't you get someone to get elected? Yeah. Some guy somehow Some like he, he, he was like, yo, this is because of Sam Tripoli. Yeah, so. and he, he ran for office <laughs> and he won. But yeah. like there comes this downloading of Kung Fu. I mean, I look at like young comedians. I'm a stand-up comic. I'm from a time before. the, the I, I remember a time where there was no internet. And if you wanted to learn stand-up comedy, you had to go find a comedy club and watch comedians or turn on The Tonight Show. And you'd be lucky if you could catch it. Uh, with these young comedians, they're watching YouTube. They're studying how people have done it before, and they're downloading the ability to complete a task. You like? It's like I, I was just thinking this today. It's like I had this uh, pack and play for my children in my in my little place, and Dana was like, "Come on, fold it up." And I'm just like, I'm, "I'm trying to fold this thing up." And I can't fold it up. And I'm like, well, I'll just watch a YouTube video on it, yeah, right? Yeah. And I was like, what happened like 100 years ago when there was no YouTube or even 30 years ago when there was no YouTube and they didn't know how to fold a pack and play? A lot, Sam, of, a lot of cursing. Sam, this was 10 years ago. 10 years ago. <laughs> 10 years ago, you really <laughs> couldn't. You had to go on your computer at least to fucking look this so, up. So do you think it's like a matrix and do you think we can prove it? Well, do I think it's like a matrix? Yes. I mean, I, I do think that it is like an information-based reality that gets rendered. But I also think, you know, if you remember in the matrix sequels, there were a couple of interesting scenes, you know, one, one of which where he meets like that guy, the architect I love who's boy. running the matrix. <laughs> yeah. And in that, he tells them a couple of things that I think are important. One, he says, <laughs> you know, the first version of the matrix was like this idyllic world yes. and you know, nobody had any problems and the human mind didn't accept it, right? So they trashed that and they created something darker like the Matrix that we saw you know, in the first movie. And then the second thing you know, he sees right there with all the screen, remember the scene with all the screens in the back and, and, he, and Keanu Reeves, you know, Neo sees himself doing different things. And so it's like trying out different things. And that's where you know, we get into perhaps a slightly different discussion about is there a multiverse if we make different choices and we can talk about that in a minute but i think just in general you know within within what we're doing i do think it's like the matrix and i do think some people come with certain skills right some people are just gifted with certain things and where does that come from well it could be that they did it in a previous run of, of the matrix now they did some experiments in la where they uh took some uh, guys who were uh, learning to fly a plane, piloting lessons, and they beamed in electrical signals that were similar to like the EEG readings of experienced pilots, guys who knew what they were doing. And they found that when they did this, 
these younger pilots or newer, let's say they weren't necessarily younger, but they were just uh, starting to fly. They learned a lot more quickly. So we're even getting down that road of, you know, I know Kung Fu, where stage seven in my 10 stages to the simulation point is very much about brain computer interfaces and sending in electrical signals. Uh, and and there, there are indications that, you know, we might be able to do things like that uh, in the near future. Uh, it kind of even speeding up, right? Uh, what, what, what you're talking about, where you watch something on YouTube and you learn it there, here, you, you do beam it right into your brain. And so that means there must be an electrical basis for all of this. Yeah, and that scene is like, nobody ever really talks about that scene. I thought that scene was like, probably one of the most important scenes in movies for like understanding like where we are. And I don't know what, how the Wachowskis just tapped into that. I don't understand it, but they just nailed it with that one when he's like, Oh, you were different than the rest. You know, like you've been here before and you just keep coming back to these realities and just you keep learning over and over again. And, you know, when you see like, a, hey, this kid's two, he can play piano. You're like, how is that possible? It's like, well, maybe he is bringing back. Maybe we subconsciously bring knowledge from our past lives that kind of somewhat help us not make the exact same mistake in that time uh, in the next time around. And it's very interesting because you think like, okay, maybe you're coming back to uh, uh, another time. Like, let's say, knock on wood, I pass away. Like, I don't. Let's pray I don't, you know. But let's say I did. Do I come back? Like, now, am I coming back to like the year 2023 or 2024? Or if time is stacked, am I coming right back to the same time in the same story like that's a crazy thought because we've had people come on and say that time is like a book it's not necessarily you know you know 2000 2001 2002 but it's like all on top of each other so wherever i go in that book is that time but just know that if i'm in the middle of the book i could just open up the beginning of the book and now i'm right there in that time but at the same time, the end of the book is still going. Never on. thought about. It. I thought you would. I thought like if you died and you came back, you would start in two thousand twenty-four. Like, yeah. Oh, I'd get a year. You got to. You got to get impregnated. There comes Sam again. Yeah, Here he yeah, comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's Sam wearing an LA hat. Yeah. That's, but you were right. You could start off in. I could start back in nineteen seventy-two. Well, yeah. Sam, are you saying now that you continue in another reality where you did not die? Is that what you're saying? No, I come back oh. to the exact like if time is as a baby though. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I come back to the same story Got it. and do it again, but I'm in the same time with knowledge of a past life of that same time. It's like infinite return or whatever they call it. Yeah. yeah. Am I getting, uh, have you ever thought about that, Riz? I like that <laughs> yeah, you call well, you Riz, by the way. <laughs> That's a good name. <laughs> I love that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're, you're getting into one of the different permutations here of, what it means for a simulation to run, right? Because if physical reality is just code running on a computer, you can stop that code anywhere. You can save that. You can rerun a piece of it from before, and you can make different choices, which leads to alternate timelines within that. And you know that led me to the work of Philip K. Dick, uh, and, and I can talk about that in a minute because he gave a, a great speech in Metz, France in 1977 about this, about time being stacked. And you can go into any point in time. But you know, there's what, what's called an ancestor simulation. 
And that would be like us running, you know, like the game Civilization, right? We're, we're, we're running a simulation of like the Romans, right? So that would be a, a, a simulation of our ancestors, right? So you could go back and you could experience that at that time. You could also, we could also have a main timeline so that you keep coming back into this timeline. It's like an MMORPG, right? Your character mm-hmm. could die, but the rest of it, you know, that game still goes on, like EVE Online or, you know, one of these other games uh, that the other characters are still there. Uh, some people can play multiple roles, right? You can run, you can have, if, I don't know if you've ever done that, you have like two computers where you log in with one <laughs> avatar over here and one avatar over here and you meet yourself, right? So there's a whole lot of different permutations that come into play once you're, once you start playing, you know, with, with simulation theory. The most interesting for me is that if you can run it once, you can run it more than once. So there might be more than one reality, you know. Um, but just touching on what you said earlier about forgetting stuff, you know, the, the, the Greeks have this metaphor, which is the river of forgetfulness. We cross the river of forgetfulness and we forget what it was like on the other side. And in the Chinese traditions, they have a goddess for that who brews the tea of forgetfulness and we drink that tea and we forget what it was like, you know, both before we were born and then after we die, we might forget, but neither of those are hundred percent reliable. So you bring in, you know, some of those memories with you, which oh. I think it's back to these previous, you know, these previous skill sets. And then you're drawn to the same things again. because It's possibly a very similar personality. It's so interesting. Like, well, you know, the Vedics think there's like 46 realities, 46 dimensions which is super interesting. See, I would imagine that's just the start of it, 46. I would imagine that there it's are infinite. potentially an infinite number so, of... Okay, of, so if we go back... But can you think about what that reality is? I. What, how do you mean? Like, when you try to think about infinity. Oh, yeah, I mean infinity. That makes me think it, we're in sumo meat suits. It racks your brain, yeah. See, like, impossible. well, if we go back to that, like how there's so many possibilities, I go back into the arcade theory, where there's a bunch of different games, and one of them... This one's got gravity on this one. Yeah. So and so. So you yeah. get to pick. You're like, yeah. oh, this time I, I want to live in a fucking world where yeah. water is not water. And literally, you put in your quarter, and here we go again. So and you live it out. So if uh, Philip K. Dick talks about, like, uh, you know, being stacked, uh, our Blade Runner and Man in yeah. the Castle, which is a very famous. Very famous movie, and then there was uh, Man in Castle. If you weren't familiar with it, it was a, I believe, Amazon was Man in a High Castle. Man in High Castle, excuse me, which I believe was like one yeah. of either Hulu or Amazon's first big Amazon, hits. Yeah. And it was basically a reality yeah. where the Nazis had won. Uh, you know my opinion on that, but uh, I think they did win. But that's <laughs> they won on lost. the battlefield. Yeah, though. okay, they won on the battlefield. <laughs> uh, what are uh, 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 yeah. Are there possibilities of these being real possibilities? Yeah. So, you know, when I uh, wrote my first book about simulation, uh, The Simulation Hypothesis, I interviewed Philip K. Dick's wife, uh, Tessa B. Dick, and she told me that he came to believe that the man in the high castle, you know, where the Axis powers won the war and split America in two, is a really interesting series, uh, but it's based on his book from 1960 which was his most popular book before Blade Runner became a movie. Um, and he came to believe that was a real timeline. Really? That I mean, actually happened. And that for whatever reason, the simulators didn't like, <laughs> didn't like it. And they rolled it back and they ran it forward. And so 
you know, whether this oh. is the reality that sticks around or it gets rolled back again. Because he said he had he came to have full memories of what it was like with America being a police state uh, run by these, you know, the specific, in this case, the Germans and the Japanese. Wow. Uh, and so that he gave a speech in Metz, France, where he said, you know, that we are living in a computer program reality. And the only clue we have to it is when some variable is changed some alteration in our reality occurs. And so I thought that was about the simulation. And it is, it's probably the first time somebody you know, really talked about it seriously. Uh, but it's also, if you go back and listen to the speech, which I did for my second book, which was uh, the simulated multiverse, what it's really about is changing variables and rerunning the simulation. So he compared it to suits in a closet and the programmer and counter-programmer are sitting outside, and each suit is like a timeline. So you can like go in and wear any of those suits, or you can be part of that specific timeline. And, and so that really, really got me back into writing another simulation book about how could that work. Uh, and you know, that is why we run simulations. We run multiple simulations. So, so there's what was said earlier about different games. That's one way to think of different simulations. But then within the same simulation, within the same world, there's different timelines or a multiverse like the Marvel movies uh, or, you know, the DC uh, comics multiverses. Uh, actually, my favorite movie about the multiverse is the one that came out last year yeah. uh, or earlier this year, right? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm -hmm. I that, thought that, that movie thought? was extraordinary. And I'm so sad that it wasn't like seen by all the masses. Because it just yeah. really resonates. It's a top four movie of all time for me personally. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. There's everything. There's a reasoning. You think that was on purpose? What? That I didn't get pushed as much? I just don't yeah. think it was. I didn't hear about it till Johnny mentioned it. Like I, Johnny was like, "Hey, have you guys seen this crazy movie?" And I didn't see a commercial of it. I didn't see it, it on has, TV. It, it really. had a little ad campaign. Yeah, yeah it's just. I mean, it, it happened during the pandemic, man. I mean, that's it, that swallowed up so many things. And it didn't have the Rock in it, so they're not going <laughs> to. But think about it. Nobody was going to theaters, right? The time, you really. got to either have the Rock or or Kevin Hart in it to be. You know, it was. It just wasn't meant to be a movie that was pushed as a Jurassic Park type movie. People will talk about that forever, though. Oh forever. yeah, I tell everybody you got to watch that movie because. The thing I loved about that movie, and I'd love to hear what you think, Riz, um, is that it's basically saying there's an infinite uh, uh, versions of you, and out there is the best version of you, and that best version of you is inside you, and it's always inside you, and you can tap into that person whenever you need to tap into that person, and like that's what I got from that movie, that I can be the best version of me in whatever whatever dimension i'm in you know i can be that person here today what is your thoughts on that riz you were we sorry we cut you off because we we just love that movie yeah no it's great i i love that movie as well and you know i said it was my favorite representation of the multiverse because you know when i came to the multiverse as a computer scientist if you think of bits of information that right, you can have a one or a zero well, if, it, if you have two choices, if you have four bits, you know, you have two to the four choices. You have 16 different. And you get this big graph, right? And every point you can make different choices. And so, you know, in my book, I talk about what I call the multiverse graph, which is all the things that you might have done in your life if you had made different choices at different times. And what I liked about that movie and why I think it's so great is it gives you a way and, and uh, you know, gives a, a name to this idea, which she called verse jumping, right? 
where you are able to jump into these other versions of yourself and you're able to sense what's there. You're able to see that life, but you're also, she was also able to bring those skills back, right? Getting back to, I know Kung Fu from the matrix. Uh, she had the same thing happen, except she went into the other reality, the other version of her that, that, that in fact, was a martial artist and brought it back into this life. And I think we, we, we may have inklings of that, that we've tried these different things before. I mean, I remember once when I was, uh, I was visiting Stanford University uh, many years ago. And at that time, I was an entrepreneur. I was in the video game industry. I was doing other things, but I wasn't really an academic. Uh, and I saw an alternate version of myself like somebody who had gone on and gotten a PhD early in life and became a professor. And I saw myself teaching, you know, we used chalkboards back in the day, uh, actually teaching stuff. And it was a very clear vision. And I feel like I really got to see one of those alternate timelines, but I could also perhaps bring some of that back into this timeline. And in this version in my twenties, you know, I, I got out of school relatively quickly and, and, and uh, you know, uh, became, but now at the age of 50, I'm going back to get a PhD and becoming a professor again. Right. And I'm teaching the first class in the U.S. that I know of about simulation theory at an accredited university next semester. Wow. And so it's like you can bring those parts of yourself back into this specific reality. And who knows, maybe this is just a branch that's running for a little bit of time. And we're going to incorporate this branch back into some other branch. Huh. Down the road. Do you ever get into do you ever get in the Mandela effect? Which. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. Your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, so my book, the simulated multiverse, the, the subtitle is, you know, uh, exploring uh, an MIT computer scientist explores, uh, simulation theory, quantum physics, uh, parallel realities and the Mandela effect. <laughs> and, and what happened was uh, after I'd written the first book on simulation, I, I, I met a friend of mine who was another MIT grad. He was working at Google and we were in Mountain View down the road from the Googleplex. And, you know, usually, Guys from that world that I know, they don't talk about the Mandela effect or UFOs or this, this other stuff that I think is cool. And I know you guys talk about some of this stuff. Uh, and so I, I was having coffee with him and he goes, hey, have you ever heard of the Mandela effect? I said, yeah, I've heard of it. But I kind of assumed it was you know, faulty memory like everybody else in that world did. He goes, oh, no, your simulation theory is the best explanation for the Mandela effect. right?" And so it was that conversation that got me to go back to Philip K. Dick, and he was talking about that. If you follow that that same quote I said earlier yeah. to the next line, right? it wasn't just that you're changing reality or you're living in a computer program reality. He said you would have a sense of deja vu that you were rerunning the, the same events, you were saying the same things, you were hearing the same things. And, and in fact, you know, he came up with this because he felt like somebody had changed his reality a little bit, like they changed a uh, light switch uh, from a light chain, you know, they used to have these chains back in the day in the bathroom that you pull. And he, he came up with a story, The Adjustment Team, which turned into that movie, oh, The Adjustment yeah, Girl. Yeah, I remember that. That. The Adjustment Matt Damon. Team. <laughs> would, you, would you say and there's it, any chance they rolled it back? Well, you know what's so interesting is like when he was talking about the Nazis won and there was this reality and that, who, and we'll get into whoever that is, rolled it back. About 2016, 2017, there was a very funny meme that came out. And it was a lizard guy in a suit going that the overlord rulers have decided to roll back time to 2015. Which is like, you know, because, you know, the whole point of this show and the whole point of most of my podcasts is get you laughing, slippy the truth. And I think there's 
always a little humor <laughs> in that, but maybe there's a little bit of truth into that. And which, so your question is, they roll it back because wh- when do they say the timeline started changing up when the when the towers fell down? No, that's they when the Mandela. Right? No, 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 no. CERN. <laughs> There's CERN, but there was also discussions of like how weird things started happening when they supposedly dropped the the H bomb. That was a uh, you know in Hiroshima and things started changing during that whole thing, and then all of a sudden we started seeing UFOs and stuff like that. Yeah. So. It's super interesting, yeah, man. They must have rolled it back, maybe, and some shit stays, stays <laughs> lingers around. Where you're like, hey, that lingered back. They can't pull it all back. Yo, Midnight Mike from yeah. uh, OD, uh, our Big Dumb Mouse uh, podcast, but he was talking about how some people think like ghosts are are just old programs from an old simulation that are still around and they don't realize that the game has been replaced and they're still just Well, and you know, that would be also, you know, because you only ever see, it seems, ghosts from periods other than our own, which that would kind of make sense if it was a simulation thing because it would be from, uh, let's say, cruder versions of the simulation, you know, before they kind of fine-tuned it to what it is now. So that that would be an exp- potential explanation for why you only see people dressed in old timey shit, you know, because yeah, it's from a like a, a less a less advanced version of the yeah. Simulation. You very rarely see Generation Z ghosts, right? right? Yeah, yeah, with like spiked hair or whatever, you know, like ghosts <laughs> with, like tablet up, like from the eighties, dressed up like the Cure, you know, you just don't see it, right? Goth, yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the question, okay? If this is a simulation, who built it, and why do you think they built it? Uh, well, you know, that that's a big question, but I wanted to just talk a little bit more about the Mandela effect. Okay, go for it. First, because, uh, you know, I find it pretty intriguing. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, as I researched it, you know, the, the term was coined by a blogger named Fiona Room back in 2010, and she was at a Star Trek convention, and a bunch of the fans, and if you know Star Trek fans, I mean, they, they know lines from this episode, that episode, and, and they were insisting that there was an episode of Star Trek that the, the actors who happened to be at that, that it was like a Comic-Con convention, you know, said, no, no, there's no such episode, right? And then she found people were remembering Mandela's death in prison. And, and I like to think of it in terms of proximity uh, and significance. If, if this event is significant to you, you're, you're less likely to have gotten it wrong, right? Like there's, there's one uh, blogger online who says, you know, she was supposed to visit Nelson Mandela. And uh, back in the late 80s, and she was told she couldn't because he was really ill, and then she had heard that he had died a little bit later. Now, that person is less likely to make a mistake than, you know, somebody who who just, you know, has heard of Nelson Mandela uh, just very broadly. And when you get into some of the other deaths, like the Reverend Billy Graham, when he died, and you have people swearing, you know, who are hardcore evangelicals who, you know, swear they got uh, magazines with this picture on the cover that he had died, or Mandela's funeral, but the ones that I find most interesting are scripture, right? Um, because you know there are many people who claim that scripture has been changing, and I, and I used to think, okay, maybe that's just different translations of the Bible, and they're like, no, 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 it's the same physical book I had since I was a kid, you know, that talked about the lion and the lamb, and it's not there. And so when you start getting into scripture, people take it very seriously, right? Just like if you're Jewish. And the Bernstein Bears changed from E-I-N to A-I-N. That's significant to you. Maybe it's not to somebody else. They might just have made a, made a mistake. But so I started to look around for scriptural changes. And, and so I started to, to look at Islam to see if the Quran had changed. And what I found was this Sufi imam who said that 
there's a there's a reason why they memorize every single word in the Quran. And you know, I, I grew up in that tradition, and I was like, "That's stupid. You can just read it. Why do you need to memorize, you know, hundred thousand word book?" <laughs> and they said the reason why is because there are these entities called jinn in the Islamic traditions Whoa. who are allowed to go back in time and change physical objects, but they're not allowed to change your memory. And so that's why they 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 remember it word Whoa. for word, so the, the jinn can't screw around with it. And that sounded a lot like Philip K. Dick talking about changing that's variables so and rewriting things beings that live outside of time so anyway that was just on the mandela i gotta say by the way him's talking about the lion laying down the lamb like i remember that vividly and now there it's like the wolf and the lamb like i yeah dude yeah yeah bible yeah i mean i grew up you know super religious yeah and i remember that vividly that's that's shocking to me one of the craziest examples of this is the britney spears skirt because when you're talking about how close you are to it Right, so the whole debate was whether it was plaid or black. Most people I know remember it as plaid. Yeah, I, I, I remember it as black. That's now nice. Johnny remembers it as black. Here's the thing: Britney Spears has a picture on the internet of her in a plaid skirt. But if you go watch the music video now, it is a, it is a black skirt. It's crazy, dude. And she that's her. She wore it. She that's what blew her up was that she was in that video where we're like, okay, what's going on here? But that's a great example of like someone who's really close to it versus um someone from the outside, like me and Johnny. It's like, but that's crazy, dude. Like that mirror mirror on the wall by yeah. Snow White. Yeah. <laughs> that's one where like as a little kid you're like everyone repeats it mirror mirror on the wall and that's not so it's, she never she said doesn't that. say that no she says magic mirror on the wall today if you go and look at it right but it was magic uh, if you yeah. watch the movie and then... oh, that's crazy so so uh if you wanted to i mean dude the mandela fact i use that just to explain everything i get wrong i'm like oh it's got to be an alternative life time there. yeah i know that was, yeah, I was right alternative we gotta be alternative. we've been knocked well, off well because well, some people say it was cern or it was this or that but if you look at the mandela effect there's so many of them now that it's not just two timelines right it's like if you think of every permutation fruit loops versus fruit loops uh, empire strikes back you know uh, Luke, I am your father versus no, I am your father. <laughs> Bernstein bears versus Bernstein bears. If you look at all those permutations, you basically get a graph of what looks like a multiverse. So you have, and it gets into this weird thing in quantum physics where we're used to thinking there are multiple possible futures, right? I mean, I could go live in Boston, I could go live in LA. Those are two possible different futures. But we're not used to thinking of multiple possible pasts, right? And that's where the Mandela effect is really interesting. Uh, and it turns out in quantum mechanics, there is this this crazy thing called the delayed choice experiment, which says that it could be multiple possible pasts. It's like Schrodinger's cat, except the cat being alive or dead. It's about two histories. Uh, you know, the, the the cat came from over there, or the cat came from over there, and it, there's a cosmic version of it. Imagine there's light coming from uh, a quasar that's a billion light years away, and 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 then a million light years away, there's a big black hole. And the light has to go to the left or to the right. And that black hole is a million light years away from us. So when would it have had to make the choice of going left or right? It would have had to make it a million years ago. And then the light took the million years to get to us, right? Except what quantum mechanics shows us is that the choice is made now. 
today, when you observe the light, that's when the choice is made about whether it went left or right a million years ago. So now we get in this weird spot where, you know, multiple possible pasts are there as well as multiple possible futures. So anyway, that ties to this idea of the Mandela effect that maybe we're creating them all the time. But before the Internet, we weren't really able to share with each other. So it was hard to, to nail these things down. Oh, so, um, you're, so what you're saying is there could have been Mandela effects in, 19, in the 1800s. You, we just couldn't literally put a timeline 100%. on them or nothing because there was no internet. 100%. Shit. It's interesting. The exactly. Lion of the Lamb thing is still, you know that song, Peace in the Valley? Yeah. Like Elvis covered it. A lot of yeah. country guys covered it. Yeah. That still lists the Lion and the Lamb in a lot of the versions of that. But I'm telling you, man. <laughs> no one I'm fat telling you. There are physical objects. Like like frame portraits that they have a picture of the lion. Yeah, and I, have lion. A, I had a Bible. My, my my you know how they give you a Bible when you're born like like the childhood. My Bible has that on the cover. That's what, why it's so kind of striking to me. It's because this and Bible you think about it, if it was a wolf that the the imagery of a wolf would be different. Real quick, guys, I want to get into some stuff. If you love the show, uh, well, it would really help us if you check out our premium content. It's a great way to help us. Do this show for free so we can focus on putting out great content. If you want to really support the show, we got a couple shows on Rockfin. Just go to rockfin.com, R-O-K-F-I-N.com. Uh, and then you, I got a bunch. You go to samtriplee.com, click any of these banners. We have Tim Fall Hat. I do AMAs every every week, plus uh, uh, Only Conspiracies. Uh, that's why I interview some people, uh, and they're great conversations. I have a spiritual podcast. It's one of the most important podcasts I do. It's called Zero with Sam Tripoli. Then we also have the number one debate show between binary men. It's called Conspiracy Social Club. Myself, Brian Callen. It's a fun debate. If you're looking for a way to invest in these crazy times, I, uh, Johnny and I and um, our good friend Howie Dewey have a Patreon for Cash Daddies. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash cash daddies and join the chaos. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Howie is talking on there daily, 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 and we get some of the best guests possible. Uh, everybody in Kansas City is asking for a discount in $1,000. Uh, we should do a promo code. Yeah, so it only that. costs you about 20 bucks. Okay, we'll do that for you. Okay, we'll break it down from 1000 But just go to cashdaddies.com slash uh, uh, patreon.com slash cash daddies also on rockfin i forgot to say uh we have uh we don't smoke the yes, same yes we've been going crazy over there ten dollar shots because we knew new cameras and then we have uh uh first look at broken simulation yeah it's also just it's not just first look it's an extended i mean the last episode had about 30 minutes of extra footage so. and there's on rockfin there's a ton of people you love whether it's uh eddie Eddie Bravo, uh, Jay Dyer, you name it. Who Isaac Wysip, and guess who's back? Owen Benjamin. Owen Whoa. Benjamin's back on Rockfin. Jimmy Dore, they're all there. All of our favorites. Cast the Conversation Couch. All those guys. It's only ten dollars for all of them. Only ten dollars. Uh, my cameos are on fire. Go check out the cameos. T-shirts. Here's a quick thing, then we'll wrap it up. T-shirts. Go click on T-shirts. Our sh our T-shirts are dangerous. We have dangerous T-shirts. Okay, we had a T-shirt which was uh, the Unabomber was right. Etsy took it down. 
Etsy took it down. Gone. Oh my God! Guess that's a limited edition now. That really is a limited edition, Johnny. <laughs> should have bought it. You should buy them all. You never hey, know you when know they're the, going to take them away. You should take some on the road now. You can only I'm get that one to. on the road. You can only get on the road now. So uh, we had a brew, uh, new one, which is um, All My Heroes of Shadow Band. The Lizard People are coming. And we just put back up by popular demand, F. Your blue check mark. Seriously, F that blue check mark. So uh, just go to, yeah, samtrude.com, then click on the banner or tinfoil hat. And that's about it. Buy gold and silver. It's an affiliate program. Check out Nuke Social. Just go to nuke.social, and it's decentralized uh, uh, social media. Uh, tinfoil hat, only conspiracies telegram, and join the zero telegram. Anything else? Nope, that's it. All right, let's guys. Go. So, yeah. So, yeah. Let's get back into it. Let, let me tell you my favorite Mandela effect before we move Please. on. <laughs> Which is, you know, the, the statue, the thinker. So, the question is, where is his hand? Is oh. it under his chin? Is it on his forehead? I think it was under his chin. What do you guys think? Yeah, that, I mean, chin. that's what you I'm going to say. You can't Google it, bro. No, look at, no I, I've I'm already seen it. it. We all know. But I'm going to say chin, too. Yeah, yeah because he's thinking. It? He's thinking. Yeah. That's what makes he's you think, like, oh, he's a thinker right yeah. there. That's what it is today, right? But if you look, there are numerous photographs on the internet of people standing next to the thinker with their hand on their forehead. That's <laughs> and so interesting. It gets even more bizarre. So Oh you yeah, know, look the, at that. It's right there. She's she's <laughs> Yeah, they're standing right next to it, right? But it gets even more bizarre. There's a picture. So when the thinker was first brought to London, right, in like nineteen, I don't know, six or nineteen twelve, something like that, uh, George Bernard Shaw posed for a picture and and he knew Rodin he knew the guy that made the thinker so if you search for George Bernard Shaw the think there's a picture of him standing in the pose of the thinker with his hand on his forehead not Damn, under his chin <laughs> and it it, it it gets bizarre let's see if you can find it there I mean nah, there's definitely out there nah. I have zero faith in uh in XG being able to spell <laughs> any of those people's names <laughs> To be able to find, and this is coming from a guy who can't spell, by the way. Uh, so is I, it George I with the G or with the J? Come on, <laughs> we don't George have all day. This isn't a this isn't hey, a do spelling GB podcast. Shaw in the pose of the thinker. Just do that. Don't search for Mandela effect. Do G B Shaw in the pose of, or George Bernard Shaw in the pose of the thinker? Yeah, George Bernard Shaw. There, there it is. It's the second one down there. Yeah, right up there. There we go. If you can find. But well, this is not showing the yeah. picture. Anyway, you, if you look for it, you can find it. It's definitely out on. Yeah, it's there. He's naked. I go to the on the first row, about on the very first row, about three quarters of the way down. Do you see that one? Uh, it's the fourth one from the right. Yeah, go down. Yeah, go, up, go up. Go back up. up. Xavier allows me to check off my uh, e always my always ESG always stuff. So BlackRock right likes me. Fourth from the right. Fourth from the right. Yeah, top row. Fourth one go. from the right. Oh, it's quite small. It's a tiny little picture. It's like a postage stamp. But there's bigger ones out there. But if you find more like that, you can probably find it. We'll but but it anyway, up. if you look at it, his hands on his forehead, right? So, it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. So, if 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 we're gonna believe there's a simulation, what what uh, who do you think built it, and why do you think they built it? Well, I always get asked that a lot, right? And so I, I think the second question is easier to answer than the first, which is why did they build it? And it gets back to what I said earlier, but there's two versions of this. A question which is, why do we build simulations and why do we build video games, right? And, and the, the reasons are slightly different. Now, the reason we build simulations 
uh, in computers is because we want to figure out what is the most likely outcome, right? So you run chess simulations, for example, uh, or you run simulations of population growth. Or uh, there was a supercomputer in Japan a few years ago, and they ran a simulation of if there was an earthquake. You know, where would people go and would they be able to get out of there, right? So we try to figure out what is the most likely outcome. But then sometimes we also try to figure out what's the most optimal outcome, right? So we change the variables and we say, okay, what happens now? Okay, well, what if we gave this guy $100,000? Where will his portfolio end up? Or if we start off in a snowstorm, you know, where will it end up? So, so those are the reasons we run simulations. Uh, now, the reason we, we play video games is to have different kinds of experiences and to have fun and enjoy. And I think it's a combination of those two. So I think uh, when you run a simulation, you don't just run one. There's no point in running just one. You have to run it multiple times and you have to keep changing things. Sometimes you change it in the middle. Sometimes you change it at the beginning. You've all heard of the butterfly effect yes. where a butterfly flaps yes. its wings in yes. Hong Kong and the stock market in New York crashes, right? So that is part of a science called a new emerging science called complexity theory. And what complexity theory is all about is that small changes, tiny little changes in at, in, at one point create huge differences in outcomes. And that's even if it's just a fully deterministic simulation, it's just code running or equations, right? That's why figuring out the three body problem, which was a, a title of a interesting Chinese science fiction novel, uh, but is interesting because you can't figure out what's going to happen to these three planets or th these three stars over time. Uh, we, we, you have to run the whole damn thing. You have to, in order to figure out what's going to happen at step two million. You can't. There's no shortcut. You have to run it to step one million nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine ninety nine, and to get there, you have to go to nine ninety eight. Yeah. And so this is something called computational irreducibility. And I think the world is like that, uh, but the world is even more complicated than these equations. Because we can choose to do different things. So now there's no way to know what the hell is going to happen because you got to run it so each of us makes different choices and see where we end up. So I think that's part of you know, why we run a simulation. One of my favorite dramatizations of this idea too is that Black Mirror episode where they're just in a dating app, you know, like a futuristic dating app. That's fantastic because that could totally, you know, we there's no indication you know from inside the simulation of the importance of what is actually what it's being you know the purpose of it you know what i'm saying like we could all just be in some fantastical dating app where it's like okay now you've you know and they just run it a million times to find out which partner is that's what happens in the black mirror episode these two this couple they meet you know in this kind of weird sort of dystopian future uh and it turns out that they're is that the guy who lives in the cube no. Is that the one where he no, lives no, in a it's just about this couple like trying to. It's like they're meeting on this dating app and they come together and they f discover they become aware that they're in a simulation. And as they attempt, spoiler alert, by the way, as they attempt to escape, <laughs> the simulation cruelly ends for them. They die, like they cease to exist. And then in the real world, these this couple gets an, an app notification, like, "Hey, we ran the simulation, you know, a, a million times, and you guys are meant to be." Uh, yeah. Oh, that's crazy! It's really good. You should watch it. It's yeah, it's a, called it's called Hang the DJ. The, yeah, uh, yeah. After the, the Smith episode. song, yeah. After that Smith song, Panic. That's the yeah. name of the episode, Hang the DJ. Well, yeah, it's it's a line from yeah. this Smith song called Panic. Yeah. Oh my God, that's that, a great episode. It, is. it really it's does wonderful. get into that idea of running it multiple times. So that one, and then there's one other Black Mirror episode that I really like related to simulations, which is it's called San Junipero. Oh, it's wonderful. And yeah. it's it's a beach town, and, and these two women meet in this beach town in the 80s, and then you realize it's a simulation. 
because they can go back to the 50s or 40s and it turns out they're in sort of an elder care facility because they have like all these physical problems and they got these things on their forehead that jacks them into the simulation and they can kind of explore and they can decide whether to become residents of the simulation afterwards you know they upload themselves so so those are those are two very cool Cool I have to go back and watch Mirror. Black Mirror. The whole thing. Yeah, I got really upset after episode literally one because everyone's like, the Black Mirror is so, oh, it's so amazing. I'm like, the first episode, I think, is the guy who has to make love to the pig yeah, the, because they kidnapped the, the, the royal. That's not one of the better. That's actually, but if you I look was at like, lists, that's one of the I was worst like, episodes. Uh, if I'm a comic, I go up there and talk about I'm humping a pig. Everyone's going to be like, boo, you're an awful comic. You write in a drama. Everyone's like, my God, it's so, it's got, it's got so much depth and it just really makes you think. That's right? one of the least, that's, that's one of the worst. I got to go back yeah, and go, watch you, it. For sure. I, I'm just saying. There, I there are other, I mean, dude, simulation is, is a, a strand really running throughout the series too. You have like, uh, like a way they punish people in the future yeah. so that, you know, say you get like a hundred life sentences. You yeah. live them out in a simulation. You actually get 100 life sentences, and by the end of it, your brain is mush. There, <laughs> there was this one where there was this nerdy-ass dude that, that made his world, Easy. and the only way to get people in that world, he had to get DNA from them. Oh. So he'd go and getting around girls' DNA, and then he'd put it in the thing, so now he could technically have sex with them on his fucking yeah. in his own world and yeah. shit but he had to get DNA and it was all real creepy it's more simulation shit where he's well, making it's his a, own he's in like a, a Star Trek simulation yeah, a Star Trek, too, where yeah, he's a, like the yeah. captain of a ship and he brings them in as like they're slaves for eternity yeah. and, genderless slaves like they have no parts down there. It's really and they crazy. can feel it because their DNA's in there Oh, that they person, feel what's going on? Yeah, they're kind of like I'm a slave to this guy because the DNA I think they could feel it but it was weird right. we should check it out might be wrong on that. I think you you want to do a new podcast. It should be XG explaining Black Mirror episodes. That should be that should be the whole podcast. Let me explain to you these. You know. And then after that, you we can, can only look. watch it once. No notes. No notes. <laughs> and then you do it a week later too. You have to wait a week. Um, so if this is a simulation, why should we care? Why should we care if if um. If people, if, if we're living in this video game. Yeah. Well, to answer, before we answer that, let's go to your second question or your first question last time, which I didn't really answer is who, who's running the simulation, okay. which I think relates to this as well. Right. And so, you know, there's this idea that, okay, is it aliens? Is it future versions of ourselves? Like we are the ancestor simulation, right? Uh, spoiler alert. If for the, the movie, the 13th floor, I think I can, give it away since it's 20 years old and it's based on a book from the 1960s. But in the movie, you know, he goes into, uh, it was set in 1999, came out the same year as The Matrix. He goes into LA in the 1930s or 40s, I think it is. And so that's like an ancestor simulation of the 90s, right? And so he goes there and he looks around and he comes back to the modern world. And then he realizes that the modern world is actually just a simulation for the people in like the 2020s or 2040s. Right. And so the, it's the future versions of us. Uh, and there are, you know, there's people uh, like this professor in Montana named uh, Michael Masters, I think is his name, who, who, who thinks UFOs are future versions of us coming back in the timeline. Uh, so that's another kind of explanation that's out there. Personally, you know, I think it's us. Right? It's not just one simulator that's sitting there. Uh, you know, just watching what happens. I think we are all participants in creating the simulation. And when we, it's like we're putting on the virtual reality headsets or in the uh, language of the matrix, 
we're putting the the cable into our heads, right? That that's getting us locked in. And so you know, it's 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 basically us. So we choose to be here. And so I think that that kind of gets to your question about why should we care, right? And because uh, I think yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, is there any place in, for a god in your in your belief of what the simulation is that a god create a universe the universe created this to understand different uh outcomes is there any room for yeah. that because i i think i mean yeah. based on a lot of these story vedic astrology and all this stuff and who the anunnaki yeah. is fallen angels and all that stuff it's like super interesting to me but i see it from a spiritual point of view what's your thoughts on that uh, yeah i mean it could certainly be what we call a god right I mean, anyone who created the simulation to us would look like a supreme being who can change anything and who's running it. And uh, so, you know, even Philip K. Dick, when he used the terms programmer and counter programmer, right? I mean, there's only thinly veiled references there to God and Satan and others, right? And in the Gnostic traditions, you know, they talk about the archons. Uh, the the people that are running this particular simulation. So I, I think it's very possible. I mean, even in the uh, in, in in the Judeo Christian traditions, uh, you know, this is said to be a temporary world. Uh, even in Islam, in the Quran, I didn't even know this, but somebody put a a review on my book on Amazon and it said, "Here's a verse from like the first verses in the Quran that says, we have set this up for you as distraction, as a game." To play, right? And the Vedas, you know, they talk about this idea of a of a lila, uh, which is a, a play of the gods. That the gods are playing, but the second meaning of that is the stage play, right? Where each of us is given parts. Yes. And so I think I think there's definitely room for God. Yeah. Super. You said that anybody that created the simulation is a god. In a weird way, if Metaverse kicks off. Wouldn't that make Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, a god? In that, version. in that version, if you believe in that's your world, and you're like, yo, I live in the metaverse. I was just thinking about that. What if this is a just a simulation computer program ran by a bunch of nerd dorks, and like, there's just and like, like he kicked out these other these other programmers because <laughs> they weren't listening to him, and he made them fallen gods. Like that's Bob. We'll call him Anki. <laughs> That's Bob. He's a jerk. It would, it would sure explain the L.A. comedy scene a lot. If the, if the, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the metaphors that were used in these religious traditions, you know, they can be updated now, right? So back then, you know, they talked about angels and they talked about fallen angels, but they also talked about things like the Book of Life. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. In, in, in Christianity and Judaism, yeah. it's like a book where you write down you know, who gets into heaven and who doesn't. But in other versions, there's pictures, there's statues of recording angels in Washington, D.C. You can look them up, right? They're sitting there writing in the book. And in the Islamic traditions, they get even more specific. They say there's the Kiramin Kitabin, where the two angels who write down every good deed and every bad deed that you did, right? Oh, but, of course, that's a metaphor. I mean, yeah, 2,000 years ago, you can't tell people, you know, it's something more technological. That book yeah. is about as technological as they got. But today, we would update that metaphor. Like, uh, I'm writing a book on Yogananda. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of his book, Autobiography of a Yogi. Yes, yes. I bought it. it I'm going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was one of the top, top-selling top spiritual books in the U.S. back in the, the last century. And it kind of brought Indian thought into the West. It was one of the big 
uh, factors for bringing the Veda and all this uh, Vedas and all this other stuff into kind of Western consciousness. And you know, he came up with what he called a modern metaphor because he was asking his guru, okay, why is there all this suffering in the world? And this was during the time of World War One. He came in 1920 uh, to America and lived here pretty much for the rest of his life. And you know, he got kind of this insight that he had just been to the movie theater. That's how they watched the news back then, right? They didn't have TV. So they went and they saw the newsreels at the beginning in the theater. And he saw these newsreels of all these uh, these soldiers getting you know, basically murdered with the machine guns in World War One, which had never happened again. And, and he came up with this metaphor that said, well, it's like a movie. Like the actors are getting they're they're not dying but their characters are the ones who are suffering and dying and that is what makes it an interesting movie and so you can see he updated it to a new metaphor now if i i believe if yogananda were alive today or any of these you know kind of ancient spiritual dudes they would say that it's like an interactive play where you can make your own choices and modify things uh, and what does that adventure. sound like? what's yeah, that i mean it sounds like a video game a like simulation. a video game yeah like a video game exactly yeah so on this show we've talked I, i've talked a lot about how i think we live in a haunted house this is a haunted house <laughs> and there's thespians in the haunted house and that some areas are more haunted than others and you know everybody's always trying to work to change these areas and not that pain and suffering isn't important or anyone's pain and suffering should be dismissed but i just like sometimes i go Hey, um, you know, I'm watching the news, right? And there's this craziness on the news and these people are dying. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel that. But do I know that person who died? And like, you know, I've had some people died lately and, you know, you just had somebody passed away. We're not going to get into that, but you know, it's like, so yeah. obviously death is real, but you know, are some of the things that we see being done to people on television and in, in, on our our TV screens and our, our computer screens. Is it possible that these are like NPC stuff being done in the, in this theater? I call a haunted house to have an effect on us and to kind of manipulate our choices and our decisions. Do you, do you, does that make any sense? Like I, if I go, Hey man, write down your goals in life and I, you'll see, you'll be amazed at how many you go, how many you'll, you'll achieve people are like, well, I want to be president. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's part of the game that you're allowed. Yeah. Maybe that the president is a, a thespian and he comes from a family of thespians who are here to add texture to this haunted house. Yeah, well, I think that's one way to look at it is, is are there a bunch of NPCs? And I get asked this all the time. I remember one woman saying, oh, you know, I think my husband is an NPC. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't assume that, right? Assume he's a player as well. <laughs> and then you'll make different choices. But, but I do think we set up these scenarios for ourselves, right? And they're not always about being present. It's kind of like people who report past lives, right? There's the people who say they were Napoleon and you know the pharaoh but but the ones that are more interesting are the the stories of just ordinary people when they lived in in previous times and and so i do think we have these storylines that are there for us uh to go in and then other people other characters in the game support those storylines and maybe you know if 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 you have to get over 
uh, feelings of revenge. Perhaps there's some you know, folks who are NPCs. In a video game, you can have NPCs and PCs, player characters and non-player characters. You have both, right, to make the game interesting. And so in a way, if we need a challenge, it's almost like their karma might cause them to do something to you so that you can get that quest, right, that achievement of having to deal with, with that situation. And, and I did want to say a little bit more about the, the people dying, what happens next. And, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, with, with people who've had near-death experiences. You know, one, one of my friends is Danny Brinkley. He wrote a book called Saved by the Light back in the 90s. It was like a big bestseller, and he was struck by lightning way back in the 70s, and he uh-huh. was dead for like 25 minutes. Yeah. Whoa. And, and, and he's the one who introduced me to this idea of the life review. And what he said was he had to review every little thing that happened in his life, but he had to review it from the point of view of the other person. Oh, wow. And, and he was a bit yeah. of a bully and he kicked ass, right? And oh, so he no. had to like, he had to feel what it was like to get his ass kicked by himself, right? Um, and he even shot people and he had to feel what it was like to be shot by himself. And, and he said this was all done in like panoramic 360 degree uh, detail. And so my question is if that can be done, if it can be replayed for you, someone has to be recording it yes. in order to replay it, right? And that's where the simulation comes into play because it turns out we do that on Twitch and YouTube. We record the game and then we look at it afterwards and we said, hey, what happened here? Why did you do this? Do you, what, should you have made a better choice? Maybe you shouldn't have you know, punched the other kid and stole his lunch money. <laughs> like maybe that was a bad choice that you made in this specific, you know, this specific version of the game that you're at. I think That's it's, amazing. I, uh, yeah. It's like NFL film review on Monday. You come in like, you didn't block this guy. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think about that a lot when I operate. I'm like, okay, is this guy, am I going to have to review this at the end? Relive this well, again? And he's not the only guy to have said that, too. You no. hear that from a lot no. of near-death experiences, this idea of a life review, which is, yeah. what's that film yeah. from? You know, what's that movie from, too? Where, uh, Defending Your Life. Remember that movie with... Uh, you know, you don't remember this one. Okay, it's a great no. with, uh, Albert Brooks. Al, yeah, Al Brooks. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> such a good movie. That was a great movie. Yeah, wonderful movie. One thing uh, I I think about a lot, are, and something that's been discussed on the show, are dreams. Dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he mentioned lucid dreaming, right? Yeah. yeah. So, what are your thoughts on dreams? You know, we've had people come on and be like, "It's astral projection," which I'm not against. I I think about it a lot. I mean, real quick on past lives. I always have people want me to do past life reviews, and I just won't do it because I just don't want to come back find out like I was some like Russian peasant chick with a big rack, and I was just like out there doing shady <laughs> shit. And I'm like, oh man, I don't, I don't want to know. That's why I used to do back in my life, dude. That's dead serious. How why I don't want to. I'm also that. afraid that because you're really suggestible when you're in that state that yeah. they put you in for that past life review, and I, yeah. I, I I worry that like you're gonna send me all your Bitcoin. Well, they might implant like memories or something. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, so dreams. Tell me what your thoughts are on dreams. Well, so dreams are, are one of the most studied subjects in human history, right? Because everybody dreams, and even people who don't remember their dreams dream. And, and so there have been so many books and studies on it. And my general impression of dreams, I spent a lot of time studying different dreaming techniques and shamanic dream techniques with a guy named Robert Moss who borrowed uh, these techniques from like the Native American traditions. And then you look at the, the Sufi dream techniques, and you can look at uh, the Tibetans. So the Tibetans have what they call dream yoga, 
which is one of the six yogas of Naropa. And it's like lucid dreaming, basically, where you try to wake up within the dream, but once you're awake, you then start to have these superpowers. You start to move things and change things. And so for me personally, I've tried it with uh, what I what's called the lucidity test. So for me, if I can fly, then I'm in a dream, because at least, you know, so far, I haven't been able to fly, you know, without a plane anyway, in, in this physical reality. Uh, but But so the Tibetans use it as a way to wake up to say, look, if you can realize in the middle of the dream that that's not real, then you can do it while you're awake too. And that, you know, gets back to this idea that the physical world isn't the real world. So, so the answer to pretty much anything when people talk about dreams, in my opinion, is yes. Some dreams are, you know, bad food you had right? uh-huh. earlier that day. Some, you'll notice, they regurgitate images from the previous day. Like you saw something on TV that made an impression and they're suddenly played out. And so I think of dreams as mini simulations, right? And the Tibetans have this idea of little dreams and big dreams or karmic traces, which is like something makes an impression on you, it's going to show up in your dreams, whether it's a meaningful dream or not. And then they have dreams of light where you actually move beyond the physical world. Now, I've had experiences which, you know, can't be explained in other ways from flying out and seeing things. So I do believe some of them are astral traveling, or, or lucid dreaming, uh, uh, you know, out-of-body type experiences. And some of them are communications from the dead. I mean, I, I, you know, you mentioned I had someone pass away recently, and so I was with relatives, and I was telling them about a story with my uncle who died many, many years ago. He died in the 90s. One day I went to visit my parents in Michigan, and, and I woke up from this this dream where my uncle showed up. And I'm like, uncle, what are you doing? You died. What, what the heck are you doing here? And he had this big sarcophagus with him that had like a little thing, like a white eye and kind of this kind of big chubby sarcophagus and he was taking it away. And then I woke up and my parents had just gotten a call that that uncle's wife had just died halfway around the world. And she was like this big chubby woman. And she had like, you know, one eye that was like all white. There was something wrong with it. And it was, it was the same morning that I had the dream. So it was like, he came to get her. Right. And so the question of do dreams represent dead relatives? Yes. Do dreams, you know, represent stupid shit you saw in a movie last night? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Are dreams sexual wants and fantasies? Yes, right? At least when, you know, when I was a geeky teenager, they were, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Is it easy to relay the uh, the astral travel dream that you mentioned that you thought was pretty uh, convincing? Uh, well, you know, I was uh, I was sort of flying around. I was living in Boston at the time in Cambridge, and I started to, to, to leave my room and there was a, a window. And one thing you find when you astral travel is it's kind of hard to go through windows. You kind of get stuck in the glass. I don't know why this, this is. Oh, wow. Like there's two things you get stuck in glass or with electric wires. So you have to like kind of visualize yourself going through the glass really quickly and suddenly you're outside. Huh. Otherwise you get stuck. Or I've had many times when I'm flying and I get pulled towards the electrical wires. It's almost like the, it's an electrical body. And so I went to visit a uh, you know, uh, my girlfriend at the time and, uh, you know, to her, 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 uh, apartment, it was like a one bedroom apartment. And, you know, she was usually obviously sleeping in, in the bedroom. And I saw this weird light on her couch. Uh, and, and it was like, there was a little bed tucked away near the couch or something. And it was almost felt like she was there. And then I, you know, that, that was, that was the extent of the, the travel. And then when I talked to her the next day, it turns out she had slept on the couch, which she never does. Like she's always sleeping in the bedroom. And oh. so it was just a weird little coincidence. And I've had a lot of those types 
I, things I think that's say. true. I, I all the time. If you think about something, it's amazing. You ever thought about something? Suddenly they call. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the power. That's in a some weird way. crazy stuff right there. I remember I was trying to uh, think about uh, one of my uh, daughter's babysitters. And I was like, well, I can't, what is her number? I, the mom had the number. I didn't have the number. And then, hand to God, she just walked right through the door of, like, the play place I was at. I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> and and especially if it's someone you haven't thought about in a while. Yeah. Like, those are the dreams you take seriously. Like, when dead people show up in my dreams, it's only the ones I haven't thought about in years that I take seriously. <laughs> uh, in a weird way, I, I know you probably haven't done drugs, but uh, when people do, like, shrooms or DMT, they talk about seeing the same things. Do you think that's getting into simulation, a different simulation? Is that, are you leaving it? Is there anything? You are you visiting other yeah. places? Yeah, you know, I haven't done it myself. So, but I've had people tell me that, you know, when they, when they do DMT, they see the, they see grid lines sometimes, right? That it looks like a 3D, like a holodeck, like in Star Trek or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. visualization. And so I believe maybe what it does is it loosens, right? So, if you think of the matrix, there was that physical wire in the back of the head, right? That's what Neo and Morpheus, who was named after the Greek god of dreams, by the way, uh, that there's this association you have with your character, right? It's like me forgetting that I'm not really playing ping pong. It's like this fusion of the player and the character into one, and, and you can't remember anything else. And I think, you know, perhaps these substances loosen that tight link so now you can kind of see other simulations that are going on you can kind of see outside the simulation but it doesn't totally do away with it right so you're not totally outside but it seems like you can travel i mean it's, it, there, there's a lot of shamanic journey where they use drums to like get you in a certain mode and you can then travel places like i did one workshop with this uh shamanic journey where we were supposed to go to the planet at some planet around the star sirius and I went there and I saw these giant buildings with, which were built on stilts. It was like an old abandoned civilization. And turns out the guy who ran the workshop also saw pretty much these giant buildings on stilts on this planet around Sirius. And so when you look for these, you know, these kind of correlations, I think that's where you get into these other, other things that might be real in some way, whether it's a physical reality or an astral reality, or an, or mini simulations in some cases. Yeah. Do you think it's possible that our reality is like a dream? Do you think that's possible? I think so. So at the beginning of the this podcast, I talked about the, the 10 stages to the simulation point, which is the point at which we can create a, a video game that is indistinguishable from reality. Right. And, and so I wrote up in my first book in the simulation hypothesis, I wrote up, here's the characteristics of that. You forget there's a world out there. You see characters. Some of them might represent real people. Some of them might be just made up characters. Uh, do you have a whole history inside the simulation that maybe is, is fake memories that weren't there? So I went through this whole list of things. And then at the end, I realized, guess what? We already have this technology. So, you know, I, I was trying to project 100, 200 years from now, we'll make this technology. And that's my estimate for when we get to the simulation point. But turns out the technology already exists in dreams. It happens every night. We basically make up mini simulations. We get fully immersed in them. We forget about the world outside. We make up characters. We make up histories. And sometimes other people are there with us inside the dreams. So I think, you know, dreams is 
are very important in learning about reality, both as a metaphor, like the Buddhists use it to describe the world as a dream, but also just as a as a technique uh, and technology. It's a biological technology that shows us we can create fully immersive simulations. Yeah. I remember the first time I controlled a dream. I was like, I don't like how that went. Let's roll it back and do it again. Let's go this way. <laughs> so the question is, do you think that we could hack our way out of the simulation? Like, there's always this, you know, every movie's like, we got to get out. I mean, even like The Matrix was about getting out of The Matrix. Do you think you can get out of The Matrix? And if you want to get out of The Matrix, do you want I think the big lie, if there was one lie in The Matrix, my whole opinion is that they portrayed the people who got out of the system as living horrible lives, right? They were eating yeah. mush food, living in a tin can. And I think- But the, the people, point of that was that that's still better than living in the- in the matrix right but if you i think in this life when you see people kind of go what they call off the grid they're all really happy people they're living on land they're growing their food they're raising animals they're raising their family they're really happy people and in that movie it made them seem like they were miserable that was my only issue with the matrix yeah. movie uh, besides the new movie that came out was just awful but outside <laughs> of that uh, i i uh <clears throat> I, that was my only issue. I think people who tend to go off the grid tend to be happy people. Um, but do you think you can hack your way out of the, like the matrix, out of the simulation? Well, I think it you know, depends on where we are on the spectrum that I talked about earlier, the NPC version or the RPG version. And like I said, they're not mutually exclusive. They're kind of a spectrum. And so if we are characters outside, if we are you know, players, who are playing avatars or characters inside the simulation to hack your matrix because you just kind of wake up, right? You, you pause the game. And I think that's what a lot of the consciousness technologies or traditions really around yoga and uh, whether it's, you know, different hermetics, there, there are a lot of different techniques in different religious traditions that are for basically getting out in a way. Or, now, there's other people who are looking at, well, if you're just AI, you're just an NPC, then what does it mean to get out? What does it mean to hack your way out? There was a great Star Trek episode, Star Trek The Next Generation, back in the late 80s, early 90s, where they had a holodeck and Data was playing Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. And his, his nemesis was Professor Moriarty. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Professor Moriarty was a holodeck character. But some of the characters there were from outside that simulation. And he figured it out right? and yeah. he wanted to get out. Now, what the heck did that mean for a guy that was you know, holographic oh. within the holodeck? Uh, so they had to have a way for him to get out. And so that, that's a bigger question of, you know, will, can your consciousness leave as information and can it be displayed somewhere else? So I think it gets back to this issue of whether we're NPCs or, or we're, uh, you know, it's RPG, we're role-playing characters. What is that movie that uh, about uh, Westworld? Isn't that like TV somewhat, show, yeah. somewhat a TV show? Yeah, isn't that somewhat? There's characters that realize they're in a simulation and they want to get out of it. Yeah, they they're they're sentient. Yeah, and they that's right. And the players, the the ones that play that pay to play, end up killing people because they know it's just a they're, game. It's not a simulation though. They're actually embodied AI. Like they they're yeah they they're man you know they're. It's kind of in a weird way. Well, they're right? just trapped. They're they're trapped in this in this land, but they're physically they exist. I mean, in, in, 
Oh, you mean that they're not graphics? That no, they're, no, no, no. They're, they're in just bodies. like yeah, they're robots. Robots. Yeah, that's what they're. Like. But then they want to become real, right? Well, no, they want to stop being sex slaves to humans. Is that's what they want. Everyone's <laughs> bitching and moaning. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then they get out. At least at the end of the first season, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I haven't watched all the seasons. Well, spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, they they do yeah. get out, and is, it's it's not good for humanity. I'll just say that. In a weird way, is, do you think there's anybody that knows it's a simulation, like the lizard people, Elon Musk? Does he know? He's, he's already in on it. Do you think there's anybody in that's like, oh, dude, this is a simulation? I'm well, already he's already in talked it. about how he thinks it's a simulation. He's talked about yeah, it. Yeah, he thinks it does. He thinks it is, yeah. But I think there are people who, who realize it, whether it's through uh, you know, consciousness techniques, meditation, dreams, DMT, or just logic, right? Some people are kind of, some people are coming at it from the religious traditions too. So I think there are people who realize, and some people may have superpowers, right? I mean, there are stories yeah. of of people doing weird things, not just in the yogic traditions, but in the Catholic traditions. You've got a saints saints in Spain in the 1500s appearing, you know, in New Mexico. You got saints that are like levitating with thousands of people in the square watching them. Uh, so I think there are people that. that not just realize it, but then they become super users and they can yeah. do stuff. That's fascinating. So if you had to give it to a, if you have to give it, do you think, real quick, do you think you can stop the simulation? Do you think that's possible? Well, my question is how, how would you know, right? So if you run a computer program right now, I'm talking to you on Zoom, right? And yeah. maybe I have like Microsoft Word running in the background. And in computer science, there's this thing called context switching. And so you're running program instruction one instruction two and the processor could switch context and now it brings zoom back for a few instructions and then it goes back and brings microsoft word for a few instructions now microsoft word doesn't really know how much time has passed it could have been a minute could have been 10 minutes it's just doing the next piece of code so if the simulation stopped how would you know because to us you know time is quantized we think time is quantized uh Space is quantized, which are pixels, but in, in a computer, you have this clock speed, and the clock speed is the smallest, it's like a pixel, it's the smallest so unit of time. Crazy. And anything that happens beyond that, you don't know about, but you can just stop the processor and pick it up an hour, a day, a year later, and the program will just keep running where it left off. So, so how would you know it? And even well, in the context like you're talking about, like if it was a crash, you know, you've got to imagine a sufficiently advanced AI was going to have a simulation where you know the game is saved up until the last moment you know what i mean yeah. of the crash and then it just brings it right back online or maybe it goes back to like a fail safe like a backup uh so how would you know uh, you know sam kind of opened up with uh, talking about that professor on that uh at the asimov debate that brought up a, a, a simulation theory to neil degrasse tyson what are some of the technical proofs i guess you would say of of simulation theory what what, what are some of those like base level uh, things that people have discovered who have who have looked uh, that that suggests that simulation theory is uh, accurate. Yeah, well, you know, in that that specific example, I believe it was uh, it was a, a professor named Gates uh, uh, who uh, basically discovered quantum error uh, or error correction codes uh, in in the fabric of space time, and those codes that's how we send information across the internet, right? So if I send like a thousand bits, how do I know you, you, you didn't get one of those bits wrong on your computer? Right. 
And so what we do is we come up with these error correction techniques that say add up like the bits and figure out what the checksum is. And then when you get it on the other side, you know, your computer has to check that packet. And, and so that was one of the weird things that was discovered there. I, I think, as I was saying earlier, this idea of uh, pixelated space, right? Is there a minimum distance in space? If so, then space itself is, is like pixels on a computer screen. And it turns out we think it is. It's called the Planck uh, length, which is the, the the very smallest length that you can measure. Just like in a uh, in a video game, you couldn't really do anything underneath a pixel uh, in terms of, of of the physical world. Uh, now there are many people who think that quantum indeterminacy is, in fact, evidence that we are in a simulation. And so, you know, with quantum indeterminacy, it's this idea, like with Schrodinger's cat. The cat's in the box. There's a 50% chance of being alive, 50% chance of being dead. You don't know which one it is until you open up the box. Now, common sense tells us it has to be one or the other. It can't be both. Right? It has to be dead or it has to be alive. But quantum mechanics is telling us it is both alive and dead. So it's in a state of superposition, which to me means it's existing just as a state of information. And then when you look at it, it renders uh, yourself super right and, and if you think of video games in the 80s we couldn't build a fortnite for many reasons processor speed uh, modem speed but the main thing is there's no way we could have kept track of all those damn pixels you would need in a 3d world and then a game called doom came out in the 1990s yeah, you guys remember that yeah, 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 of course, yeah. yeah it was a first person shooter but what was interesting about it is you could render it in 3D and you move to the left or right and it would render quickly. And so we've come up with algorithms that basically show only the pixels that your character or avatar can observe, right? So only when you look at the cat do we actually have to render the cat. And so we reduce the amount of stuff in the rendered world to that which is observed in video games. And turns out that's the rule of thumb in quantum mechanics oh, so as well. Because they're yeah. using that in VR now, right? They call it foveated rendering, I think, and it, it's where it, the the actual the most advanced VR headsets now are tracking your attention. They know where you're looking, and they render those things in the greatest detail. The right. things that are actually so that they can, you know, you know that goes, you know, what that fits into missing four one one. If you think about Absolutely. that, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That that supposedly these people go into the forest and the simulations. Like I'm not running all this for <laughs> one dude. Bye bye. <laughs> You're in, and you're 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 just like you're just absorbed into the simulation. You disappear because they just doesn't want to do that rendering. Like yeah. when you're on Grand Theft Auto and you're driving to Vegas, and you're kind of like in head of the rendering, and it's trying to keep up with you. You're the main character of your game. Is all I'm getting from this. You're yeah. the main character in your game. It's. Yeah. I, I'm gonna say it for yeah. a thousand time this episode. Super interesting. Big Super interesting. If you had to give it a percentage, what percentage would you give that? Where? What do you think the probability? of us being in the simulation is? What do you think? Well, I think it's more than 50%. I think it's more likely than not. It's obviously not something you could put a precise number on. Uh, people have tried, but I would say greater than 50%. Yeah. Interesting. So here, here's, here's where we start to get into some weirdness, and that is, do you think you can download your consciousness into a computer? And this starts gets gets into transhumanism and what that represents, and for me, where this becomes a spiritual conversation. Uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, Riz. And I'll give my thoughts after that. 
Yeah, sure. So, you know, there's people who think that we can upload or download our consciousness into silicon, right? And uh, there's something called a connectome, which is basically, uh, if you look at all the neurons in your brain, and there's like a very big number, I forget the number offhand, right? 100 trillion or some very large number. And then if you think of all the connections between those neurons, that's an even larger number. And so there are people who think that if you map the connectome exactly in your brain, you have the same personality and you can upload yourself to a computer. Now, that is pos- that, that will be possible someday, but the question is, is it really you? Is it just a copy of you, right? And, and it gets back to this, this core issue of the materialists think that consciousness arises from matter, right? So you put the neurons there and then consciousness arises. Uh, and there are other people who think consciousness comes first, whether it's from being outside the simulation or a soul with the consciousness of God or self-awareness of the universe, but it comes first and then it gets transferred into um, uh, the material. And so Max Planck, one of the, the fathers of quantum physics, you know, he, he said he, th- he thought consciousness was fundamental. Uh, matter was derivative, whereas most scientists today say the opposite. They think, I think you can get the complexity of a human being in AI, and I think we will have artificial general intelligence, uh, you know, within so many decades. I actually think we'll have, we don't have to worry about robot apocalypses so much, like in Terminator with Skynet. I think, you know, it's more likely that the, the, the AGI will be trained in the metaverse, in the virtual worlds that we create, just like Elon Musk is training Teslas to self-drive. Where is he training them? Yeah, some in the real world, but a lot more in a virtual version of San Francisco. You can just run it as many times as you want. Uh, but then I think you know there's this fundamental question of uh, what are we? And so I personally you know, lean towards the RPG version that says, okay, we may be sophisticated biological beings that can house uh, a pretty complicated consciousness. And eventually we may have avatars where we can completely inhabit them like in the matrix, uh, and it's possible to make copies of those, but it's not the same as 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 the actual conscious person. So 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 those are my thoughts on it. It's interesting. Um, I think there. I I you know. So we've talked a little bit about this, and it's like the whole thing is this is a realm of consequences. We come here to learn a lesson. We run the simulation to to study outcomes. You know, and. I personally don't think we're meant to stay here for a whole, forever. I think we're supposed to come here, stay here for a little while, then leave. If we get into some spiritual stuff, you know, yeah. there's, you know, whether we're talking trapped, the Vedics talk about trapped angels uh, that hate humanity, fallen angels trapped here. So why would you want to be trapped here, right? Why would you want to stay down here? You're supposed to come here, learn what you got to learn, and then take off and come back if you have to do it again and learn a little bit more. So I think it's... it's it, 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 you know why, though. You know why people would want to stay here. It's because people who think there's nothing after this. Those are the right. people who are going to want to stay right. here the I most. get that. Or people who think uh, karma's waiting for the other side. That too. Where they're going to yeah. have to pay for everything they ever... Imagine being like Dick Cheney. And like having to feel everything you ever did to anybody. Well, of course you want to stay here. All these Rothschilds are like, dude, I gotta stay here, bro. It's just the sound of figure this out. Dick Here's Chan- a trillion. Dick Cheney's life review is just the sound of <laughs> boom, boom for eternity. Just he has boom, to live boom, that boom, over and over boom, again. Boom, boom. Just explosions for 
Yeah, someone Infinity. like that wants to download their consciousness. They don't yeah, want to go they're like, out there. I want to leave nope. here. Let me stay uh, here. Bill Gates is like, we got to figure this out. I, I, I want to stay here for a little while. To me, it's not you, though, unless there's some... There, there's got to be some physical part of your brain that is is in a in some like like they say like say your body fails but they can take the relevant like the most the most central parts of your brain yeah. and then put them into some kind of machine that is then you know kind of built out from your brain then that's you but as long it's like the star trek thing like transporting think about what transporting is it, you know there's a theory and it's never really been sussed out i don't think but if transporting is just copying your teleporting? bits. Teleporting? Yeah, like, transporting is what it's called. I thought it's the, called teleporting. No, it's a transporter. Okay. In Star Trek. They take your bits and then atomize them, I guess, and then and shoot them down to a planet or whatever. But you're kind of reconstructed on the other end. You know, Are, are you dying every time that happens? That's every creepy, time you're transporting? bro. I ain't jumping so, so, in there. So what if... That's why Scotty didn't like it. Yeah. What or, if they, or, No, Bones, yeah. What about, what about brain swapping? If they could do that, would you consider that... Your consciousness, just a different body. What do you mean, brain swap? If they really swapped out a brain, if I took, uh, well, if, you're talking yeah, your I'm, soul, right? You're, your brain. If they took your brain and put it into another body, not yeah. your physical well, brain, but your consciousness. You. Is that what you're if, saying? If that's where your consciousness. Or are you is saying at? taking my physical brain out and putting it in your head? Wherever yeah, your brain goes, that's you. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. He he needs the brain there. Like you're telling me that you need the actual piece uh, of meat. I got one yeah. last question for you, and this has. Maybe it does have something to do with simulation, but it doesn't. You're, you're, you're a very smart man, Riz. Can you explain what ether is? Can I explain what ether is? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, there's a scientific version of ether, and then there's a more spiritual version of ether. Okay, right? what is the spiritual version to you? Yeah, because the scientists have kind of ruled out there being ether. But that was based on certain experiments way back when, uh, the Michelson-Morley experiment in the 1800s. For me, the, the more spiritual ether is like uh, there's an etheric level, right? And so there's different levels to the physical reality. And so I, I view it as, um, you know, like, like if you've ever tried to see auras, have you ever done that? No, I haven't. I would like to, though. <laughs> Familiar with it. Okay. Yeah. Like to, right? Krillian so photography, or do you mean yourself? Do you mean like through Krillian photography or actually seeing no, yourself? yourself. Oh, yeah, wow. I mean, you can see it through Krillian photography, but try to see it yourself. So uh, I studied with a woman named Barbara Brennan. She, she passed away recently. This was decades ago that I studied with her, and she wrote a book called Hands of Light. You may have seen it in the bookstore or in one of these spiritual bookstores. It's like these pictures of colors of the aura. And so at least in that definition, the etherics are like the first level beyond the physical. So in, in video game world, right, if you see a character wearing clothes or with skin, that's like a fully rendered character, right? But underneath that, it's just a mesh. Right? You know what I'm talking about when I say a mesh? A wireframe, like right? Yeah. yeah, like a wireframe. And you can see that online, you know, if you search for 3D modeling. And so the etherics, at least in that model, from, from you know, what I've been exposed to, are like the version of you that looks like a grid upon which your physical body is is built out so that's one explanation again i don't know which which context you know because in that model the astral is a little bit beyond the ether and the etheric level uh, is that kind of what you were getting it's, at or is there a different interpretation so so no it's uh, I, and that, i i agree with everything you're saying it's kind of this thing where it's like all these five elements and then they say there's an or there's four elements and then the fifth element is ether people are trying to describe what ether is and 
I'm just I, I'm just trying because you're a really smart guy who can uh, articulate in a way that dumb people can understand it, which is two out of the three of us on the show. <laughs> and um, so I've enjoyed. I'm just trying to figure out because what is the ether? If we have you know um, the the four elements, and then they have the fifth element, and some people think in like in which the sound of my voice is traveling to you guys. What it's traveling in? You mean like interstitial space is what you're like the spaces between the objects that exist is what you're saying? Like, yeah, what? like is this like a fish doesn't know it's in water? Is is are we in ether? Like Wi-Fi? Like you're saying? Like what's we the medium be able to see we exist? What's the medium we exist in? Is yeah, is that what that is? Yeah. I mean, that's super. What's in space? Like yeah, uh, what is what is yeah. between? Me in this cup, right? What's in here, the vacuum? You know? Or more interesting, I think, is what is in the vacuum of space. Like what you know, if you're in a vacuum, there's still something there between you and Yeah, what is the, the space yeah, between me and I like What defines just, that space if there's nothing there yeah, in, in a vacuum? Yeah. It's it's crazy. All right. Well, this has been one of my favorite conversations we've had on this show, and we've had a lot of incredible conversations. I agree. Uh, I could talk to you all the time, and uh, I know you've, you're a busy man. So, uh, Riz, can you tell one more time where they can find you, your websites, any social media you want them to, to look you up at? Sure, absolutely. So my website is zenentrepreneur.com, and from there you can link to my blog and a bunch of my articles that I've written and to the books. Uh, and then on social media – you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Riz, R-I-Z, Stanford, just like the university. Okay. And all those links will be in the description. He is Riz Juan Burke, and we're very excited to have him on. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Uh, it was uh, one of my favorite episodes we've done, so thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to our next conversation. We'll do it again soon if, you, if we didn't run you off. Thanks for coming <laughs> on, brother. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. All right, guys. We love you very much. A busy week this week. Comedy Chaos Wednesday night. Thursday night, it's Tim Fall Hat and Huntington Beach. And then Friday night, join me for the revival. That's right. I'm going to be in Ventura dropping the Hammer of the Gods. Might be gay hammers. We don't know. Hammer of the Gods uh, at HQ Venue. Come join me. Come get weird. It's going to be a fun night, dude. I love you guys very much. Thanks for supporting the show. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye. We go deep, homeboy. Aaron, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack.